Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to have a really interesting conversation about the role of violence in far-left movements. If you think about the history of progressivism and leftist ideas in this country, you know that violence has, from time to time, played a role in those movements. What role does it play today is the question we want to talk about, and how does that relate to the past? Is violence still part of the thinking behind progressive movements? Is it something that's necessary in response to the violence that we see associated with the far right. You're definitely going to want to tune in to that conversation. We've got two great guests for it. And of course, we want to hear from you during that conversation. Uh, what do you think about the, the far left? What do you think about the rise of groups like Antifa, which we have begun to, to start talking about in the context of the pushback against Donald Trump, for instance? Is that is that a natural outgrowth of the environment that we're living in about in the of the debate that we're having or is this something that is new and maybe dangerous you're going to want to participate in that conversation either by phone you can also go to the wdet facebook page or you can go to twitter and if you hashtag us we'll try to work you into the conversation also remember if you are heading into work right now or just need to move on with your day you can still hear the full broadcast of today's edition of Detroit today, you just need to go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You download and subscribe to Detroit today, and you can listen to us whenever and wherever you want. All right, it is Friday, and we call Friday opposite day around here because it's when we invite somebody in who sees the world through a little bit of a different lens than I do. And that chair this week is John Truscott, who is a principal at Truscott Rossman Consulting and PR firm in Lansing. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Good to talk to you, Stephen. It's always good to talk to you. I don't know if it's quite opposite. We actually get along pretty well. We just have some different viewpoints. And we definitely have different more, viewpoints. <laughs> but, you know, we can talk about it yes. and, and talk rationally about it, and, and it won't break out in a fight. So, that's I, true. you know, credit to, to you as well. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that's the whole point of this segment is that we ought to be able to sit and have disagreements and have debates and not end up slugging it out. I will say that's a lot easier uh, when the guest is on the phone as well, because uh, <laughs> I've been in studio often enough. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Let's start with uh, the the rally that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, had in Arizona this week. Uh, eight months into his presidency, a rally like that. Uh, boy, I, I I sat there thinking that the fact that he's having this rally is unusual. I can't really remember. Uh, a politician this early going back to the idea of a rally, and this is not the first rally he's had, uh, in fact. But then the subject here and the the context of this, Charlottesville, the things that happened there, uh, the ongoing saga of Sheriff Joe Arpaio out there in, in Arizona. I, I want to get your reaction to what we saw in, in the rally, but then I just sort of want to talk generally about this idea of how you think about that when you're in that role, if you're in the White House or uh, as as you were uh, in, in the governor's mansion advising John Engler when he was governor here, how do you think about that 
that balance between governing and rallying or campaigning and, and whether that's sort of changing with uh, what we're seeing with Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, I understand the political logic of why you would go back to a rally like that. That's where it's his comfort zone. Um, that's where he kind of does a reset. He seems to be holding these rallies after he has a really bad week. A and rough been time. Beaten up yeah. for, for really bad decisions or statements or whatever. That's kind of how he goes back and resets. I am. Uh, I strongly disagree with the tactic. Once you're elected and you're in office, you're held to a different standard. Um, you're judged by your actions, your statements, and everything else. And going back and doing a political rally outside of the political season, I just don't think is appropriate, and I don't think it's helpful to accomplishing an agenda. Um, you know, and, and and we saw a couple of times where he had events, press conferences, statements where he was speaking from the teleprompter, he was on message, actually did a fairly good job, and then goes off teleprompter, and it just comes off the rails. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, I think, you know, with General Kelly as chief of staff, I definitely see his influence in terms of more discipline at times. But, um, I, you know, I don't know if President Trump is the type that will ever completely listen to anybody. And <laughs> he follows his instincts, which in business may be good. In politics, I should say that the politics of governing yeah. um, don't turn out to be that that strong and, and that focused right now. Well, well, I suppose one way to look at it is is that perhaps he's thinking that by going out and having these rallies, showing this strong support for him in various places around the country, does that does that maybe put pressure on Congress, who have sort of been the stumbling block in, in terms of getting this administration's agenda enacted? Does it put pressure on someone like, for instance, John McCain, uh, who has stood up to the president a couple times over the last eight months and said, hey, we're not going to we're not going to do this. Is it a method of trying to to bring them along with with what he wants to do? You know, it, it may be an attempt or a tactic, but I think he fundamentally misunderstands the way that the Congress works. And, I, and I'll just mention John McCain, who has always been a contrarian. Mm-hmm. He never toes the party line completely. And here's a guy fighting really, really, you know, some of the toughest forms of brain cancer you can fight. Most people don't survive. What incentive does he have? To, to follow the, a president who's been pretty nasty to him yeah. uh, over the last year or two. So, you know, if, if that was the thought going in, I would say it's it's pretty ineffective. But, uh, you know, I think most Republicans in Congress want to work with him, but he's not trying to work with them. He's um, issuing dictates and, and things like that. And, and it's legislation and getting something done has typically been a process of, a little bit of give and take, a lot of negotiation, both publicly and behind the scenes, and there's an ebb and flow to it. And the president just doesn't seem to understand that. And when when the leaders don't follow his very quick uh, approach to a resolution, you know, he, he lashes out at them. And then that the whole process falls apart. I really think, and I, I was in Washington several weeks ago, as the the second round of the health care debate was kind of falling apart, uh-huh. we were meeting with members on both sides of the aisle, and both were extremely rational about wanting to do something. There is a path to get something done, but when the president comes and just criticizes everyone, then they, they you know they have to pause and just can't move forward. It it puts everything on hold. So, you know, hopefully the administration is learning. I'm not confident that they are yet. 
Um, and, and time may tell, but yeah. that's uh, just the status of things right now. Uh, if you think about the relationship between Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell, who's the Senate majority leader, uh, that's been getting a, a little bit of press in the last 24 hours. Uh, CNN has uh, a story whose headline is Trump McConnell feud simmers as GOP watches in horror. Uh, they're talking about some of the tweets that the president has had about McConnell, talking about him failing to do the things that he said he wanted to do for, for seven years. I mean, uh, th- this goes to your point about uh, that relationship and how, how you manage that. I mean, it, it seems like the wrong approach. Even uh, take the personalities out of of the equation for a second. Uh, that's never the way, uh, historically, uh, presidents have been able to get the Congress to, onto their side. Well, and when you, you know, you, you can talk about a family feud and all these things, you know, blood kind of sticks together, usually, even if you're wrong. <laughs> um, and, and the Senate is kind of that way. It's the upper chamber. It's, they, they are, um, Operate in a certain dignified manner. They're above the politics. I mean, they have an, they have a view of themselves that is very very different, and it's something that has been built over a couple hundred years. And so, when somebody comes and just pokes them uh, like this, they will tend to coalesce behind their leader uh, and each other, even if they disagree on the issue. That it's the process to them, and it's supposed to be dignified and thoughtful. Um, and sometimes, you know, politics breaks down and things degrade, but never uh, to this extent. Yeah. And so I, I think you're going to see the senators just kind of withdraw a little bit and just not react uh, a whole lot to the president and let him calm down and see if he'll come to the table and operate the way they are used to conducting themselves. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is John Truscott, a principal at Truscott Rossman Consulting NPR firm, former uh, spokesperson for former Governor John Angler. We're talking about the week's news. It is opposite day here on Detroit Today. Uh, Fridays we try to invite somebody in who sees the world through a little different lens than I do, uh, someone who maybe sits across the political spectrum from me to talk about what is going on in the headlines. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. We were just talking about Donald Trump's appearance in Arizona for a campaign rally for 2020. Still three and a half years away that election is, and he's already on the trail. Uh, We're going to talk a little about uh, Steve Bannon being out at the White House. We've talked a little about Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell, the relationship between the two, and whether the president can settle in and get things done in Washington. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, John, I, I, I do want to ask you about Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. A very controversial figure that the president welcomed into his circle late in the campaign and then put him in a pretty important position in charge of strategy in the White House. Now he's out. And I feel like this is a typical sort of Trump kind of situation. You're happy that that personality is gone, I think, uh, and, and oh, that uh, somebody who, who has the views that, that the person has is not in charge of strategy. At the same time, you're thinking, good gracious, uh, th- this is an administration who can't keep people 
around. This is uh, the seventh or eighth person that he's had to dismiss since becoming president. And I, I wonder whether the uh, the praise for what he's what, for doing the right thing gets overshadowed by the concern that again, this is a White House that's not finding its footing when it comes to governing. Somebody had posted a photo early in the week or late last week, uh, and it was right around Inauguration Day of all the top advisors, chief of staff, press secretary, everything else, standing around the president's desk in the Oval Office. Uh-huh. Every single person in that photo is now gone except it's the gone. vice president, yeah, and, right. and it's really telling. Um, yeah, this White House, you know, I don't know if it is possible for everybody to get along. I'm used to working in political environments where you realize who the boss is, you line up behind their agenda, you can argue behind closed doors and disagree, but in the end, the leader is the one you're working for and makes the call. I, I think the way this White House has operated has been pure chaos uh, for quite a while, mm-hmm. with different factions just completely blistering each other. Um, that last interview that Steve Bannon did, where he was acting like he was the leader of the free world, um, the president just had to fire him after that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I think Steve Bannon was kind of tempting the president uh, to do it. So, you know, the, the one highlight that I see is General Kelly being put in as chief of staff. He, you know, we've seen at least what looks like his hand on things and starting to make some sense and order of it. And I really hope he can get it together uh, because, he, I mean, he, he doesn't deserve to have to deal with the chaotic politics of it. Um, but, I, you know, I, I do think over the next three or four months we'll see things get a little bit better. But uh, well, and you wonder anything I've ever seen. You wonder how long uh, Kelly will be able to survive in in that White House. I mean, it, it seems that that Trump has a problem, sort of adjusting to having people in in powerful roles around him, and eventually he just he just sort of turns on him, and and it doesn't seem to matter what their personality is. It's it's about him. You know, the way I view it, this can go one of two ways. Either either order is uh, instilled in, in the White House under General Kelly's uh, kind of guiding hand of the president, or it goes completely opposite and people start calling for the president to resign. And I know there's been some calls for that, but, yeah. you know, whether they're legitimate or not is a question. But uh, I, I think things would just come completely off the rails at that point. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful for the country that things get under control and kind of come back under some semblance of order. Um, but, you know, I, I talked to a Democrat friend of mine the other day, and he goes, well, one thing you have to admit, this is really entertaining to watch. <laughs> Not good for the country, yeah. but, and, uh, uh, and he's also in advertising, so so he's really enjoying this. Um, but then, then you get down to the serious talk of, you know, this is our country. And, you know, we we have an expectation of how things will be run, and it affects our daily lives. So I think everybody is at least hopeful that things return to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Uh, Before I let you go, John, I want to ask you about something here more locally. Uh, We're still a long way from next year's gubernatorial election, but there does seem to be a lot of buzz about Who's going to, to run? Who's not going to run? Especially on the Democratic side, and I, I just want to get your your sense of of where we are with that. And I and I want to frame it this way: Michigan, for I think five or six decades, has replaced an outgoing governor with the governor a governor of a, of another party, and they've done that consistently, with one exception, and that was when. 
that was when George Romney uh, left to, to, to go run uh, HUD at the federal mm-hmm. level and um, and William Milliken took over. So he, he had to run, but uh, he was essentially running as an incumbent. But, but in every other instance, uh, it, it goes back and forth, and it's a very consistent dynamic in Michigan politics. Um, uh, at the same time, <laughs> boy, when you look at that Democratic field right now, and you look at the Republican side with Attorney General Bill Schuette and perhaps uh, Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly, there seems like there's a mismatch shaping up or a potential mismatch shaping up and that that streak might be uh, in danger. I just I, I want to get your reaction to that. Well, and the, the other factor is typically the, the party out of power with the White House typically has an advantage. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. That being said, this last cycle showed us that all the old rules may not apply anymore. <laughs> right. you know, so do we snap back to what we've been used to, or do we keep going the, the trend that we were? Uh, you know, if the old rules apply, Gretchen Whitmer on the Democratic side has a significant leg up on, on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Just known in the party, good fundraiser, um, has it all, all going on. She's a very attractive candidate, very smart, uh, great speaker. Um, on the Republican side, I unfortunately think Brian Kelly has shot himself in the foot a little bit with this uh, uh, part-time legislature proposal. A lot of people that would typically have been supportive of him are very disappointed that he seems to be following the polling rather than what's really in his heart. Um, Bill Schuette is very well organized um, and will have a very solid campaign structure and considerable amount of money. So I see this right now as a Bill Schuette versus Gretchen Whitmer uh, matchup, yeah. but you know, given the last cycle, uh, everybody got it wrong, knows, including right? me. So I'd say anything <laughs> can happen. <laughs> right. Okay. John Truscott, principal at Truscott Rossman PR and Consulting in Lansing. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. It's always a pleasure, Stephen. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, up next, we're going to talk about the role of left-leaning protest groups in furthering narratives and in sometimes furthering violence. Is that okay? Is that just a part of our political dynamic in this country, or is there something wrong with that? Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.